With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 3, Wolves 1 in the final league game of the Premier League season from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Madgett. That's a weird one, Dave. We've never had that before. We all put our mics on live and nobody wanted to talk. Um, I think that's a fair summary of where uh, my head's at. I thought it'd be a lot more phlegmatic. I thought I'd feel a lot more calm about it all. Um, But I am resoundingly sick. (laughs) I'll be honest about it. Uh, I'd like to be upbeat for the sake of all the things that still remain. But it's, it's a hard... It's a hard one to swallow because it, it was there for a little while. It was, but it, it was, but it wasn't, Trev. I mean, look, we were reliant yeah, on true. an Aston Villa team who are garbage. And there's a reason that they're a bottom half team in this Premier League. There's a reason that when you look at the table, you go all the way down to 14th before you find Aston Villa. They are garbage. And yes, they went 2-0 up against City. And yes, that gave some hope, but... At the end of the day, if we'd won the title today, it would have been because City bottled it rather than anything we were doing. We just had to go and win the game. And it is a weird thing where we've won the game and we've won it late on in fairly dramatic fashion. And normally you'd be really happy about that. But at the same time, it comes with the blow of having not won the league title. And, you know, it's yet another season where financial doping has triumphed in the Premier League, where cheating has been encouraged in the Premier League. Notable that City today had £100 million Jack Grealish on the bench, didn't bring him on at any point. That's what we're up against, a team that can waste £100 million on a player who's been an almighty flop this season. If we have a £30 million player that doesn't pan out for us, it's a massive blow for us. 
Now, luckily enough, we don't have that because we're so good at our recruitment. But it just shows what we're up against. It shows how well we're doing to compete with them. We finish on 92 points. You go 18 points down to Chelsea in third. Like, we're 18 points clear of the rest of the pack. If it wasn't for us, the Premier League would be the Bundesliga. And City would run away with it every single season. I'd like to say we're keeping them honest, but that, of course, would be the completely wrong expression. And as I see scenes um, from the Eddie had with uh, that graceless fucking prig crying tears, I have zero empathy. I listen to the commentators talking about great pep, poor pep coming from behind, marvellous character, blah, blah, blah. And it's not sour grapes. I swear to God it's not, because like I've told several people several times, I have two friends, including my best pal, who's a City fan. I'd love to be happy for them. Yeah. I can't be happy for them because it's a fucking farce. And I feel personally robbed today in that regard. I just do. And I hope someone snips this and they can play it to their fucking heart's delight on whatever oh. City Wankfest podcast they have. Because that's what it is. That's what it feels like. My stepfather's a City fan. And I saw him for years go to Main Road and watch absolute garbage. Like, teams that, you know, were, were getting relegated. I saw him go through the horrors with City. And again, I'd love to be happy for him. And I was happy when they won their first title and their second one. But it's become so blatant now how, you know, how openly they're cheating that I'm just not going to be happy for them. And the thing is, we finished a point behind them in the league. We have a Champions League final to come. We have two cups in the bank. There is nobody who can convince me that we're not the best team in England this season. Absolutely yeah. nobody. I don't care what the league table says because I look down the league table and I see United two points of West, clear of West Ham. West Ham were the better team this season as well. So the table's lying there. I see Leicester and Brighton ahead of Wolves. Wolves are the better team this season. So the table's lying again there. I see Burnley going down with Everton staying up. Everton cheated and broke every financial fair play rule that Premier League has. Burnley stuck within them. Now, you can dislike Burnley because of the style of football and the gammons that support them and whatever else, but Burnley deserve to be in the Premier League and Everton don't. So you can tell me the table doesn't lie and I can show you multiple examples of where it is lying and I believe it's lying at the top. I believe we are the best team in England. I think we've got the silverware to prove it and we've got the final to come to prove it. They're welcome to the league title. Congrats to you. You've still won, it's the, you know, you've still won less than Aston Villa. Oh, listen, it's the thing that uh, sticks in the craw the most. And Carl, just to bring you in on this, uh, I don't want to derail it. And I don't, I hope, I, I, I don't give a shit if it sounds better. I am fucking better because it's 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 very, very hard to, to stomach. And for the last thing, uh, I ever want to be is someone who's 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 you know just uh, being unprofessional in their position. Um, I, and if it comes off that way, I actually don't care because it really does stick in my craw. And I, I I don't have it in me to be uh, neutral and congratulatory towards uh, Manchester City today. What we can do, I suppose, man, and maybe this even rings a little bit hollow. I don't know, does it? Uh, but what we can probably do is lean into. Maybe the the uh, the the Liverpool side of things and and what a 
absolute gargantuan effort it has been um, to try to keep them, in inverted commas, honest, uh, to have finished within a point of them in the end. Like as Dave said earlier on, the the, the comings and goings, I, we were never actually top at all uh, over the course of the afternoon. So, you know, that little narrative is is whatever it is. It just, I suppose, there was uh, it was maybe the smell of hope, Carl. Uh, and as we all know, that's the thing that will kill you. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's always the hope. That's uh, that's the thing that you need and you want as a supporter. And not just talking about going for titles, but you know we've spoken about loads of teams and imagine the hope that a, a club like uh, Brentford have had all season long because you know every every season has been in the lower leagues for them all the way through till this year and then this is the big time for them. It's been amazing because they've had that hope. The Newcastle United takeover, whatever you think about the ownership and that for the supporters, they just want to change. Now, set aside the fact of whether they're right or not to, to accept who's coming in. They want to change for hope. Like you've just said, that's all it is ever about. Crystal Palace, after years in doldrums, doing nothing at all with a aging squad and a manager who is happy to just not lose once every three weeks. This year they have hope because it's a renewed team. It's a renewed squad. They're going for something. They're going for improvement. That gives you hope for the future. And that's what Liverpool have done over and over and over and over again this year in knockout games, in league games, coming from behind. I mean, what is it? Five of the last six games we've gone behind in now and come back to win and win and win. And they keep you hoping and they keep you believing. And most of the time, 99% of the time under this manager with this squad, that has ended in massive, massive celebrations. And obviously this time it just makes it feel that bit worse when it doesn't. Can I ask you something that's just occurred to me? Because I think we've seen a phenomena at work today. It's a very real one that we spoke about, the three of us in this show many times. Uh, and it's the concept that um, opposition, no matter where they are in the table, uh, come to Anfield or we go to them. And regardless of how outstanding we are as you outlined there regardless of how wonderful we've been playing regardless of how many uh, games we've won back to back uh, overturning deficits whatever happens to be they seem to have a go in a way that they don't uh, against that other lot now I know that in today's situation we had a team that went 2-0 up against them <laughs> partially I think that's almost uh you know it makes things a little bit worse if I'm being honest because the capitulation is kind of what I'm talking about here the capitulation of teams to Manchester City the idea that a professional football team could be as far into a game as they were uh, at 2-0 up and then to crumble in the way that they did and then you know like I say the the very same team will come to Liverpool or we'll go to them and they will have a right go. I It bugs me a little bit, Carl, and I'll tell you why. I think at this stage, you know, we talked about this before, the comparable uh, the comparative points totals over the last three or four years there's nothing in it there's about a point in or something like that uh we've scored more goals we all all the stats you want to look at we've we're right up there we're absolutely huge uh, absolutely massively intimidating opponents for anybody but they always have a right go and it, i wonder are we ever going to get under Jurgen Klopp with the style of play that we have or, or what is it that that, that allows teams to have that uh, psychological attitude of well let's give it a right go here against Liverpool and see how we get on the kind of attitude that you very rarely see against City 
I don't honestly know if it is always about attitude with the other teams, but rather than the way City play, which is usually less high tempo than our own, it's much less, um, you know, we get we go out to score maybe in the opening 10 minutes before the first lull in the match comes when we're at our best. Where City sort of make it very clinical, don't they? They make it very, well, some people describe it as boring. Some people describe it as slow paced. Some people just don't watch it at all because they can't stand that kind of lack of action throughout the whole match. And I think that sometimes that maybe translates as other teams not really going for it because they're basically forced to stay in shape and working off the ball rather than whereas Liverpool, we leave it a little bit more open for them at times and we're happy to overcommit at times. And then teams look like they're really coming at us when they counterattack three or four times in the space of half an hour or something. Not talking about today specifically because that was a bit of something else in the first half and we'll get into that. But generally speaking, I just think that Liverpool's more adventurous, more open entertaining style of play kind of allows teams to come at us a bit more whereas with Man City I just feel that they need to bide their time a lot more and sometimes then that just makes it completely impossible for them to either raise their game or be brave enough to commit players forward and the end result of that is that they don't have a go as such yeah no that's absolutely fair enough uh, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from there. It's just something that sticks in my craw a little bit, um, the attitude thing, and maybe there's no real basis for it. I'm not sure. Uh, we should have a look at the usual uh, things that we do, but if it's okay with the two of you lads, we might not just do it quite as methodically as we usually do because it feels a little bit almost redundant. Uh, we can skip through things with a little bit of um, uh, less rigour than we perhaps usually do because there's a bigger story going on all the way through this podcast, if we're being honest, uh, because there's still a target remaining. And um, there's a sort of a reflective aspect to it, I think, today, is there, on the, on, the, on the day when the season ends, looking back at it. And I would imagine there have been walks around Anfield with the kids and the, uh, you know, the, the 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 trophies, which have been far, far, far happier occasions. I think this one is stinging. And I think, Dave, I don't know what you think about this, man, but I think that's actually probably a good sign because it looked to me as if there wasn't a whole lot of crack there. Like Divock got his little uh, guard of honour and we saw Ali getting his trinket and Mo got his trinket. And uh, like the lads are just like, yeah, yeah, and smiling politely. Um, but this seems to be, and poor old fucking Thiago, like we'll get to that, it looks good. And so many the lads, Jurgen included, just it's, it's they're very deflated. And I, I think not only is that understandable, I think I'm glad about that. Do you know what I mean by that? I I, I, I kind of really want them stung and hurting going into this week's preparation because we're going to need every little last vestige that we have left uh, to get over the line against these fuckers next weekend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think today, if if City had just won 4 or 5 nil and we'd won and that was how it ended... I don't think today would have had any major impact on next weekend. I think if we'd won today and City had drawn or lost, with the momentum that would have given us and with the lift that would have given us to have completed three quarters of what we had hoped would be a quadruple, I think we would have gone and given Madrid a bit of a, a bit of a tearing next week. Now, we'll come into this, I think, angry. I, th- I think we're going to be angry going in next week. And I think you're also going to have... We obviously have a few injury issues that, you know, we need to be a little bit concerned about in terms of Fabinho and Thiago. There's absolutely no way we beat Real without the two of them. Uh, one of them, and we've got a good chance if both of them are out. I mean, with that midfield today was was absolutely garbage bar, 
part of Thiago. So we, we need him on the pitch. We need Fabinho back in the team. But Mo is back and that looks good and he got a goal today and hopefully that confidence will, will lift him and he'll go into the final and have a good game. Virgil will be back. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that Virgil and Mo could have started today. Um, and I'm hopeful that with Thiago it is a case where he was just taken off as a precaution. That the view was yeah. today was always a long shot. Next week is the real prize. And, and that's the thing. Today was City's final. Today is all City had. That's all they've got left. All that money spent, today is what you get. You get your title now. That's it. Piss off. No one cares. If we win next weekend, that's all anyone will talk about all summer. Because we're a big club who are relevant. And they're a small, pity little club who've cheated their way into a position of power. And nobody really cares about them. Because, you know, we, we saw Everton fans greeting the bus for the last couple of games. Tens of thousands of them. When we greet the bus, tens of thousands. City's fans greeted the bus today. There's about 400 people there. That's the difference between these clubs. One is a huge giant of a club and one is just a club that everybody really looks at with a bit of distaste. And yes, United fans and Everton fans are absolutely delighted with themselves today because they're joint winners of the yes, we had embarrassing seasons. Yes, our clubs are in shambles, but Liverpool didn't win the league shield. But they know in their heart of hearts that we're better for football than City. That City are not good for the game. We've seen what's just happened with, with Mbappe and PSG. And it's them and City that are doing this to the game. They're spoiling the game by making it a, a very much a closed shop. Um, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend that I... Like being unbiased today. I, I don't care. If it seems unprofessional, I do apologise. But... I'm just at that point with City where why should we put up with them? Like, why should we all just sit back and go, oh, yeah, great. We get Pep. Isn't he brilliant? Isn't he absolutely? What a great lad. Look at him there with no hair. What a wonderful fella he is. Like, you're managing a sports washing agency. You you spend all the money in the world. Your titles are all meaningless. Our titles mean something because of the club we are and how we've gone about building our team and how we've gone about winning things. But at the end of the day, everyone, and I do mean everyone, looks at City the way they looked at Chelsea for many years and thought, yeah, it, great, enjoy yourself, but no one else actually cares. No one else gives a shit about you. So, you know, while we're playing our Champions League final next weekend and Pep is sitting at home crying to himself and trying to convince himself that winning the league is harder than winning the Champions League, I just have to ask, if that's the case, why don't you win the Champions League every year? Because you win the league every year. If one is easier, how aren't you doing that? Yeah, well, exactly. And I, I think this that dovetails nicely into the topic I was talking to Carl about, because the league does translate as the 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 team that is the flat track bullies, and the flat track bullies are the guys who have uh, the biggest uh, uh, resources available uh, every week week on week and you know this is just how it's going to be it it is without a doubt incredibly heartbreaking to think about this team uh this group that that, that Jurgen's put together this manager uh this period where we're all so um energized by it 
and, and the lack of of of, of league titles, um, you know, that 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 it's coughed up. It is tough to take that. There's no two ways of putting it. There's no point in pretending that that's not that's not a, a real kick in the face because it fucking is a kick in the face. That's exactly how I feel like today. Now I'll be honest with you. I feel like someone's after giving me a slap and run away, and I can't even get the fucker to absolutely smack him back. That's how I feel. It feels that in that cheating kind of way. That's how it feels. And again, I'm delighted for anybody to snip this out and have a little cry about it. Because that's exactly, I think, how everybody should be feeling. There is no, you get no points. There is no top, top man points for talking about how good City are. Fuck off with that. Nobody cares, as Dave said. However, the team that we put out today, we have to care about. We went with Allison, with Trent, with Matip, with Kanate. I'd like to talk about that now in a second with both of you. Robo was obviously left back and our midfield was Keita and Thiago and Hendo. Now we know, and there's no point in not addressing elephants in the room, and the biggest elephant in the room is Thiago, because I think Thiago is going to be absolutely central to our hopes of winning the Champions League, and I'm very afraid that he may not be there there now. Uh, And that's only me doing stupid uh, amateur uh, investigations and looking at how gutted the lad looks, Um, and little uh, hugs with the manager and stuff like that. Across the top, we went with um, Jota, Mane and Diaz. And we had a very strong-looking bench there with Van Dijk, obviously, on it. Miller, Firmino, Salah, Jones, Minamino, Simicus, Keller and Elliot. We're going to talk about the Liverpool defence in a second. We're going to talk about that pairing uh, because that was uh, the, 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 the earliest incident that we can really uh, deal with in the match. But let's just have a quick chat about Wolves because we are, uh, despite... What it might seem like with our uh, various uh, dismissals of our title rivals, we are actually quite professional, and we want to do the usual job here and talk about the opposition, give them credit or not, wherever it's due. Um, and this manager, uh, who's taken over from um, the bearded one, does seem to have a certain um, thing going on. Uh, in Jose Sa, he's got a solid enough goalkeeper. They go with Bali, Cody, and, and uh, Gomez across. They've got uh, Johnny and then Donker and Neves and Moutinho and Ait Nuri, uh, Neto and Jimenez. There's a lot of good footballers in there, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, a lot of people who have a lot of abil- a lot of ability. Whatever you might think about their their defensive setup, and that is uh, up for up for grabs, I think. Uh, on the bench, they had. X-Red, Keanu Hiver, they had uh, Marcel, they had uh, Podence, Trincao, Mosquera, Silva, Chiquinho, Ruddy, who came on, and Wang, uh, who also came on. And Carl, just to start with you on them, and uh, the the overall season for Wolves, uh, like, you know, when they go to assess what they've done and uh, take into account what they've done and have a look at it, I mean, it's not a bad old situation. They're bang middle of the table, finishing on 10th, in 10th position on 51 points, uh, too clear of Newcastle, uh, and level with Brighton, who I assume have a better goal difference or some such, uh, to keep them ahead of them in the pecking order. Is that a good season for Wolves, given the uh, uh, managerial change that went on there and given the, uh, uh, I suppose, comparatively limited resources, although, you know, they do seem a little angle on some money there that other clubs don't. What do you think Wolves will think when they look back on this campaign? 
I think they'll think it's okay. Um, about maybe part of the course, maybe even slightly under, given you know changing objectives as the season goes on. You know, we were saying in the Scouted podcast, it was only what three months ago or so they were being widely spoken about. I think just at the end of the last international break that we had, basically, they had the chance then to go into sixth or seventh, and then they had a couple of difficult games after that, and that would kind of decide whether they'd be in the running for European spots or not, because it was against teams around them. And you look at it now, and they, it's, it's just over two months since they won a game in the Premier League. So as a season as a whole, OK, not bad, but the end of it, really, really poor. The last third of the season has been pretty dismal from them, in fairness. Um, the the defensive solidity that they had earlier on this season, they were you know one of the best defensive teams in the league for quite a while. That disappeared completely over the last two months. Uh, I think one clean sheet back in start of March, maybe the beginning of March, something like that, and that's it for the rest of the season. Then you know it's it's quite a big turnaround um, or drop off in form, if you like, from what it was earlier on. I think considering the changes they won't mind too much and they'll think that there's plenty to build on because I think it's also quite evident that earlier in the season they were struggling for goals for example Raul Jimenez didn't quite hit the heights they did uh, before his injury Adama Traore obviously didn't really spark or they didn't really find the best way to use him Pedro Neto was out injured for quite a long time so there's obvious areas where they can improve if they get the recruitment right so I don't think it's like a case of he's not done well enough and he needs to be replaced or anything like that but I don't think I would call it an outright success David, uh, find yourself having a, a, a little coffee there somewhere over your summer holidays with uh, Bruno Lage, and uh, he said to you, you know what, um, Dave, I, I, I'll give you one of our lot. Um, as you look at that team, um, especially the first 11 there who started today, mm. is there anyone you eye with a kind of uh, a degree of envy that you, you could see really fitting in very well with our lot? There's two. I really like Rayan Nuri, the left back. I think he's massively promising. Um, and I really like Pedro Neto. I think I think Pedro yeah. Neto's come back from the knee injury, and obviously he went off injured today. He's had a couple of niggles since coming back. He had a, I think it was a broken kneecap he had. But he's he's supremely talented, and he's somebody I'd imagine is probably on our radar. But Nuri might be the one I'd look at now. Obviously. It would be dependent on Costas leaving. Um, but if Costas were to go this summer, if there was a big offer came in and he decided he wanted to go and be a starter somewhere, because he's clearly good enough. I mean, the guy would start for, I don't know, 14 or 15 Premier League teams easily. Most of the Bundesliga, if not all of the, probably all bar Bayern, he'd start for most of Serie A, most of La Liga. Um so if he decided he wanted to go, I think Aiton Uri would be the one I'd look at to bring in as the kind of backup to Robbo and, and successor to Robbo. Because at his age, with his profile, I think he's exactly the type we'd want. He's 20 years of age, turns 21 this summer. I think this, this, the, his, his ceiling is sky high. I think he's just really, really good. Really good defensively. We saw when we played them at Molyneux what a great job he did on Mo. And it was when he went off uh, that that we end we ended up scoring, and um, he's he's quality going forward as well. He's a good dribbler. He's a good cross for the ball. Good passer. He's a tough lad as well. Um, broke mm. his jaw in the game and played like another twenty minutes after it happened. So 
you know, he's clearly a tough lad. He, he'd pro- probably be the one, but Neto is worth a mention as well here. Yeah, and he's involved straight away. I'm just for the record before we get to the opening thing, and then I'll start. I'll start that with you, Dave. Um, in continuing the vein of unprofessionalism, I, I'd actually just love to get that South Korean lad, so I could do a lot of number whang jokes uh, for the whole season. Uh, that would make my season, I have to say. <laughs> um, uh, Dave, the 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 man himself, Neto, was involved early on, and you know there was a lot of moaning and groaning from uh, big uh, Jamie Carragher uh, about the nature of the goal. Um, he continued to moan and groan about uh, Ibu Kanate for at least most of the first half on, on the Sky commentary, um, and it was a long ball forward, which kind of got him caught under and I saw people uh, in a merciless way comparing it to uh, uh, the uh, the dark days of uh, of Dejan um, and you know Jimenez uh, gets in behind uh, he uh, tracks the, the flight of the ball and gets in behind it's too simple on so many fucking levels I can't mm. even really begin to talk about it. to isolate out the centre half for having read the flight of the ball wrong is fair but it's also far from the only thing because all Jimenez does is roll the ball across the six yard box and Neto is in acres coming on to it. Um, again, an issue that we've spoken about on so many occasions in terms of run, runner tracking and all the rest of it. Maybe it's a little bit too harsh. And obviously, um, if you're making that kind of a run as a striker, you are doing your best to get away from and evade any kind of tracking. However, it felt like the simplest of goals to concede and as a result far more annoying for that yeah I mean it, it, it's a shame for Ibu because myself and Carl were talking on Scouted this week about how with Virgil likely not to start today this was sort of the chance for both Ibu and Joel to put forth their case for next weekend, Ibu has started most of the Champions League games but Joel is the senior partner for Virgil and you were looking for both of them to put in really strong performances. Now, I thought defensively both of them were shaky, but Ibu in particular had a bit of a rough afternoon, and the goal is just unfortunate. He completely misreads the flight of the ball, gets caught underneath it. Jimenez, to his credit, does really well. You'd wonder how Neto finds himself as open as he does, but it is what it is, and it, it, it's a, a very poor goal to concede, especially that early. And it really did sort of flatten the atmosphere for a few minutes and kind of flattened our team as well. It took us a little while to get going after that. Yeah, it really did. And and, and just to go through that chunk of the match with you, Carl, we did try to get back in it. Um, five minutes, uh, there was a corner which kind of broke down um, and found its way over to the right-hand side. Diaz swung in a decent cross and Joel Matip met it with a flashing header across goal, bounced and went wide from right to left. Diaz then cut in on nine minutes on goal. I think it was a Joel Matip ball forward, actually. Uh, but Sa came out. Uh, now, he seemed to get very little off the... Well, he did get... He got nothing off the ball. Diaz had gotten a touch. Diaz's touch, I suppose, wasn't as controlled as he'd like it to be. It was just a touch across goal. Uh, and Sa came through him. Uh, undoubtedly, there was contact. Um, VAR were not interested. On 12 minutes, there was a beautiful ball down the side um, to Luis Diaz, who was very lively early on, as you can imagine. Uh, that was from Rob. 
elbow. And Diaz pulled it straight across the face of goal uh, in the six-yard box, but there was nobody there coming to meet it like there was with the Wolves opportunity. On 13, Naby had a shot blocked after Cody uh, seemed to handle it. Uh, and went there for a corner from that. Joel sort of he- headed back across goal um, from that corner and caused a little bit of chaos. We were actually playing some lovely stuff at this point, you know. If anything, and this continued, I think, for most of the first half, we were playing with a level of, I think, carelessness, uh, recklessness, uh, eagerness to be on the front foot. That was when it was coming off, it was beautiful. But when it was wasn't coming off, we were coughing up possession and open to counter attacks, which is not something I want to see again this season. Let's put it that way. And then at 17 minutes, there was a ball through by Den Donker, which got them in. Um, the cross, uh, uh, sorry, the cross was, was into Den Donker, I think he should have scored. Um, absolutely daft. Another real opportunity. And it came about, you know, from kind of loose play from us because we were trying to force it. Um, of course, for Cara, it was about Trent's starting position being too high because uh why miss out the opportunity for a, a cliche when you have one? And on 21 minutes, they bring on Wang for Neto just before we get level. And I'm going to pause it here with you because it is Sadio Mane who, who puts us level. And when you listen to all those chances one after the other, um, it's probably fair to say the least. Uh, Ibu Kanate had come forward, um, uh, played the ball well into Thiago's feet, the little genius. Um, does a sort of a really inventive forward flick, back flick combo, which ends up as the perfect through ball, puts Sadio in on the keeper. And again, the commentary on this uh, finish was absolutely atrocious all the way through from Carragher talking about how he scuffed all the rest of it. Look, he's hit the ball deliberately. He's hit the ball with power. The ball went from his foot into the ground, bobbled back up and went in, stayed low and went into the corner. Uh, It's not a deflected shot. Uh, I, I, I can't understand any criticism of that. It's just a wonderful finish by a fellow who's banging form and a fellow who gives me hope. Uh, for the weekend because Sadio does seem to have that clutch goal in him at the moment. That spell, Carl, was worthy of at least one goal. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, I think that the problem was not so much the way we were playing on the ball, even when it was like quite aggressive and quite all-out attack very, very early on and all the rest of it. It was the fact that usually when we play that way, other people who are not in possession they're the ones who are responsible for making sure that we have that net in place. If we do lose the ball, we can quickly get it back. When the ball is lost or a pass is intercepted, they're there in place, ready to put the pressure on immediately, turn people back or make them play a long ball, all the rest of it. That wasn't there. That was what was missing. Um, I'm not really sure why, to be honest. I, it, obviously, there was an awful lot going on. And I had my eyes on more than one game, I'll be honest. But um, I'm not sure if it was a lack of pressure on the ball. I'm not sure if it was... Big, big gaps caused by certain people being um, not present in the team. Obviously, two big ones from the defensive standpoint in the in the spine of the team were absent this afternoon. So, could be a little bit of that. I do think a few of the players probably got caught up in the the emotion of the game as well. Um, but overall, that doesn't always matter because we usually have really, really good recovery pace in place. But this time, it seemed like in the channels, Matip wasn't doing too well. We didn't really have the covering from one centre-back behind the other one for the first half of the first half, I would say. Um, it was just it wasn't great. You know, the only really good part of defensive work that I saw during that period was the Dendonka chance that you just mentioned was Andy Robertson got back and just about got across him 
so that if he had tried to like clip it across goal, he would have made the block probably there. Um, but it, it was a bit, it was a bit too open. It was a bit scattery, and I think most of that was because of, like I say, the the people off the ball weren't really in the right places or weren't really ready to respond in the way that we usually do. Um, the attacking side of the game was fine. Wouldn't have been surprised if we just scored a couple of those goals at other times. There was a couple of near misses, and uh, the movement was pretty good, I have to say. Um, it was obviously good to see both the team and the supporters in the stands react pretty positively to going behind. You know, there was no oh, impending sense of doom or anything like that. We just got on with it and sort of a lot of backing from the stands, which I think was important throughout the day. And uh, yeah, as you say, definitely deserved at the very least one goal there. Dave, the next part of the game um, is interesting. And I think Carl's right to say that there's probably one or two lads who were playing the occasion rather than the match uh, at a couple of uh, various junctures there in the first half. And this, it can, we continue in the same vein after the goal. There's a, a decent chance where a good bit of pressure um, led to a Henderson ball across uh, to the back post. Uh, kind of Robbo's coming on to it with a all cross come shot come fucking by the numbers make contact with a thing that he just does all too often. I, I, if I, if I was Clapo, I'd be just saying, um, Trent, just go out there yourself and Robbo, and you ping eleventy nine balls to him and make sure he scores at least eight out of ten before he's come in because his finishing is fucking wagon. If we're being honest, it's yeah. absolutely appalling. The lad should have so many goals for us, and he he bottles shots. He does by the number shots, or and it's just it's not good enough because he's so good. When you look at how he executes his passing. When you look at how he strikes the ball when he's um, trying to pick out a pass, there's nothing wrong with that fella's technique. It's like he just completely goes to shit in front of goal. And it's, it is frustrating. But let's build up to a bigger frustration because we do have that another period of pressure. The Thiago shot is dragged across the face after that on the 31-minute mark. Sadio has an effort on 33 after Diaz had done really well to win the ball back. Another header from Sadio from a Trent cross saved quite comfortably. Uh, and then we needed Ali to be brilliant in a 1v1 uh, with old number Wang there as he broke from the centre onto a through ball. A couple of corners resulted from that and nothing. And then uh, talking about things that are deflating like um, Rob was finishing, we saw Thiago hit a ball uh, to nowhere and sort of pull up walking a little bit and look disgusted, and I thought he's disgusted with himself, but it was so atypical that I think that's probably where he did whatever damage he did, if I'm being perfectly honest, and by 49 minutes, he's um, he's running down the uh, the, the, the tunnel uh, yeah. early earlier than the, the half has finished, because there was a bit of injury time. Uh, talk to me about that chunk of the game if you want, and if you don't, let's talk about the big thing here, which is... Um, are we in a position uh, to absorb that lad's absence? Because he's been so fucking good when we've been so good in this second half of the season. Uh, no, we're, we're probably not, is the answer. Now, look, Naby can play that role and play it very, very well. And we've seen Naby in big games this season put in some big performances. So, you know, we, we can we can roll Naby out there and, and that's that's going to be fine. But... He's not Thiago, and you've got Fabinho coming back off an industry, you've, an injury. You've got Brian, who's been largely terrible most of the season. 
regardless of what excuses people want to make from. So losing Thiago, who has been our best midfielder this season by a country mile, is a massive blow. But the hope is that it is just something minor. Um, he didn't seem like he walked off and then he stood on the touchline for a few minutes, for like a minute or so, talking to Klopp and talking to the medical staff. And it seemed like he was going to come back on. And then they just sent him down the tunnel because they made a decision to play the last 60 seconds of the half with 10 men. Um, so hopefully it's just something minor. Hopefully it's more a case, you know, as with Mo, because what I heard and what a few people heard after the, the cup final was that if it hadn't been a case where we had a Champions League final, Mo could have continued. The same thing for Virgil. That if that had been, you know, sort of the big final, they would have played on. So hopefully yeah. it's just a case where the players were told, or, you know, at least certain players were told before the game, if you feel anything, come off. Anything at all, come off. We're taking no risks. We're not losing anybody ahead of this game against Madrid. So hopefully that's what it is, that it's just a case where he felt something and rather than risk anything, they've just taken him off and now they'll, you know, work on getting him ready for Saturday night. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm hoping. And I, I had that hope as well that it was going to be in the Virgil and Mo category. And uh, let's just hope it is. I just, it just, he seemed, he seemed particularly, um, he seemed particularly flat. Now I didn't watch, any of the parade around or any of that stuff I wasn't in the mood for it um I, I did I didn't leave it on so maybe maybe uh I, I'm misreading it there Carl let's start the second half and, and 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 get through the events of this game because there are a couple of other things of note that will um, be a factor for our biggest game of the season um on Saturday and it is Milner who comes on for Thiago in 45 minutes and they have to bring on Rudy for Sa who had been down injured, which led to the extra time being added to the first half. On uh, the 49 minutes, Sadio uh, had scored a beautiful finish, a really lovely dink finish at the end of a gorgeous move, but he was offside and it was uh, ruled off as such. Uh, 52 minutes, Cody, Cody seemed to take uh, Sadio Mane out uh, when he was through on goal, but um, we all know Sadio Mane doesn't get um, given uh, anything by way of fouls. Um, it's nothing short of weird uh, and perverse at this stage, in my opinion. Um, and while Sadio was on the deck, having been taken out by Cody, uh, the ball bobbles to Jota, and he pretty much summed up his afternoon. And if we're being honest, his most recent era uh, of, of his Liverpool career by hitting the ball against Sadio and putting it out, not even for a corner, but for a goal kick. Um, there was a good ball um, by Henderson into Milner on 55 minutes. His header was square to Sadio, but uh, Ruddy was tall enough to take it off Sadio's head. Um, but again, Mane, front and centre, present, buzzing around, linking the play, fantastic in that role as number nine. Um, where apparently, if you believe the rumour mills, um, Real Madrid are anxious to place him. And, you know, it's very, very interesting uh, to, to, to read all of this stuff, of course, in the lead up, because so much of it is absolute PR, um, you know, uh, shit talk. But, you know, interesting nonetheless. And it's, the main thing I take away from it is how good he is at this moment for us. Now, we had about three minutes of downtime because Cody... Um, 
poor Cody got his his, his head rattled by a, a Diaz effort when he cut in and, and walloped it straight off Cody's uh, massive head. And we brought Mo Salah, which is the first of the or the second of the significant things I wanted to talk to you about uh, for Diogo Jota on 58 minutes. Now, for the vast majority of Mo Salah's time on the pitch, and we can we can talk about it, um, uh, he was very, very like the model we've seen the second half of the season, which is uh, not anything, not a patch. And, and I bow to nobody on this of the fellow that we saw before. And yeah, we see him there. He's top of the goal scoring charts. He's top of the assist charts. But if he had been able to continue even sort of in three quarters of the vein of the form he was in the first half, he'd be free and clear and haven't set records uh, this year, I think, if we're being perfectly honest. And, you know, the way that an awful lot of the, the match panned out afterwards, Trent had a shot from 25 yards because we were starting to get desperate in 63 minutes. And Mo was played in by Naby Keita. Um, uh, but Bali got there in front of him on 67 minutes and then Trent was in again his shot was blocked for a corner on 69 at that point we, we bring on Bobby Firmino and Klopp was starting to go for it now I want to talk to you about these two introductions um, with an eye to the game uh, of the weekend which is obviously the biggest game of the season um, Mo Salah's introduction we know that he goes on to get a goal and nick a goal later on 83 minutes and uh, we can talk about that and feel free to factor that in because honestly who cares about the the regular layout of the show on a, on a day like this um so he does get his goal but he did also show signs of you know that kind of frustrating thing we've seen recently you know the the the, the endlessly blocked shots and, and and just off the pace and just curled that little bit too far and all the rest of our token efforts that keepers are saving and um do you think the goal one for mo is um a very very significant thing because i'm i'm clutching here carl i'll be honest with you and the introduction of bobby haven't had um a couple of interesting cameos of late um i think could be massive for us on a day where we might be missing perhaps hopefully not but if we were missing the creativity the little spark of genius that um, Tiago can invite uh, can uh, can um, interge- inject into the side um Bobby Firmino's you know the closest thing we have to that the the unexpected uh, allied to that kind of link up play that he can do so well um I think both things might be significant for us for the weekend if we're to lean into the optimism Carl yeah that's probably fair I mean like Salah I think it's more than even than a shooter it's his first touch when he tries to get out of his feet to have a shot to be honest and you can see it sort of bobbles up and it's not quite as sharp and it's not as neat and he's not ready to shoot with his second touch more often than not and that's the big difference compared to earlier on in the season so whether it's cliche or whether it's years and years of received wisdom or whatever we sometimes do see players go on little uh, purple patches and have a, a good run of goal scoring form after they finally do break the little duck that they've been on and, and, and get the first one. Maybe it's also a thing for him that he has jointly in the end won the golden boot. You know, He wants to win it. There's no doubt about that. I know it's not the most important thing, but it'd probably be important thing for him to, to at least be in the run. If he'd have lost it overall, having been in the lead for so long and so far ahead, maybe that would have been uh, the reverse, you know, and played a bit of a negative part. For Firmino, is a little bit different because I still wouldn't expect him to start in Paris, but he has played quite well off the bench. <laughs> he wasn't good off the bench when he came on, I don't think. He gave the ball away two or three times when uh, there were better options on. There was one time he gave it away, which wasn't really his fault. It was the fault of the runners, I think. And when he started, 
whichever game it was. Was it Southampton? Yeah, I presume it was <clears> Southampton. Yeah. Um, he was really good that day. So I, I would definitely think that he'd be, especially with five subs available, he'd be one of our go-to players off the bench, regardless of the score. You know, he's a bit like Milner in midfield in that if you need to go a bit more offensive-minded, you can bring on Firmino. He's an attacker and he'll do things in different ways. But if you need to be a bit more defensive, you can bring on Firmino and he'll defend in a different way from much, much higher up field. So I definitely think mm. that there's a big part for him to play either way, however the game is going. Um, but whereas Sally, you would expect him to just come straight back into the side. We hope that that is a confidence thing and he's going to have a good week in training. And that goes for all of them, to be perfectly honest, because one thing we have to say, one thing we know is that these players, just like they did today, they love to bounce back with a big result after things don't go their way. You know, they they do it in-game. They've come back and won and they've come back from disappointments and won the next game or they've come back from disappointments and won the same trophy the next season. This has been a recurring theme. So, yeah, fingers crossed for the whole lot of them. And those two players that you specifically referenced, they are two of the stronger-minded players in the squad as well. So, hopefully, it is all guns blazing next week and they come out from this... What is a disappointment? And it is only a disappointment because for a while we could have done it. Next week, we can do yeah. it right from the start. And it's in our hands again, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. And, that, and that's and, and that's a point they made earlier on as well. And you're both absolutely right. And, and you know, <laughs> it was always it was always a long shot. And I hope maybe towards the end of the show, we're going to be getting back towards that kind of realization of, of, uh, of the enormity of what has been achieved like to be perfectly honest about it the last chunk of the game Dave though has a, a couple of maybe um, object lessons for us uh, in terms of how to play a game where there's a huge amount of potentially at stake uh, because we were still doing things which were leaving us a little bit open and it was a, it was it was a little bit it was a little bit too much that way we had like I say, after after uh, Bobby came on, there was a, a, a whang effort that Ali had to turn over for a corner. Um, there was a cross into the box in 73 minutes um, where Huang flicked his header wide. Um, that's two back-to-back uh, efforts for them. And remember, it's still only 1-0 at, at this stage. Another sort of a tame effort by Mo after a 1-2, sort of dribbles it low at the keeper and... They broke on 79. It was a token Dan Donker effort. They could have been better. Uh, Nuri cut in on 81 minutes and had a shot. Ali was a full stretch, but he held it. It wasn't one of those. That's a lot of attempts for them back-to-back with that token Mo effort in the middle. Then Diaz cuts in and shoots on 82, gets a deflection, goes for a corner. Now, from that, we do end up getting ahead. But uh, it was something a little bit... I wonder, was it again playing the occasion or whatever it was? They they certainly were able to get at us. Just to wrap it up, because there's no point. I want you to be able to talk about the two goals and then talk about the thing as a, as a piece. Uh, we do obviously go 2-1 up from that corner. Joel's header is excellent. It's uh, it's off the line. I, I assume it looked like it had crossed it, but I assume the technology worked. Um he follows up himself and uh, his header is turned over the line from about a yard out by Salah. It's like poacher gold supreme. And this gives me a little bit of hope. This is because he, he loved it, Dave. He fucking loved that goal. Um, at that point, as we go 2-1 up, the most gutting moment of the afternoon occurred because a false rumor went around the ground about City. 
Uh, and it was absolutely gutting to realise that there was nothing to it. But, you know, we just kept playing and we go 3-1 up from Robbo after all my criticisms of him earlier on. He finally does hit the mark. It's a nice move, a nice pullback by Bobby Firmino. Um, just to emphasise the point I made a little bit earlier on, the Carl um, uh, spoke about eloquently as well. Uh, Robbo Rob swept at home as he, as he was running onto it. Um, they added four minutes. Mo had a bit of a flicked header, and uh, that was that. So it, there was a couple of things there, like like I highlighted, that I wouldn't mind you talking about, just in terms of what it might mean for what's left, which is all we really care about now, which is the Champions League final. Um, you know, so the introduction. Of of those two lads, the 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 nature of Mo's goal, uh, Bobby's involvement, as 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 I spoke to about uh, with Carl about, but also then the fact that we were a little bit open when there was a huge amount of fucking at stake, Dave. You know. Yeah, but I think at that point it became, you know, if we might as well just go all out, and if we lose, we lose, but at least we'll go out in our shield because it had gotten disgustingly flat. Like the first 30 minutes of that second half were absolutely shambolic. One of the worst home performances we've turned in this season in that half hour period. Midfield was a mess, far too slow. Only Naby really trying to progress things. Henderson and Milner seemed more concerned with making sure the centre-backs got plenty of touches. Um, So yeah, we were leaving ourselves open because you've got Two lads in there that can't run, so Wolves are just able to stream past them. Obviously, Klopp makes the change, brings on Bobby, and that just makes it worse because now you've got just a midfield two of two lads that can't run. Henderson's yeah. legs haven't recovered from the injury last year. Milner's 43 years of age. Bobby is having an absolute mare. Every single time the ball goes to Bobby, it's a Wolves chance going the other way. Like, they're... <laughs> They're allowing us to give the ball to Bobby, knowing they're getting it back, and then they're just bringing the counterattack on us. So, look, in the end, it worked because we won the game, but if Bobby does that again and in Paris in a week, Jesus Christ, we, we're going to be in some trouble. Um, but, look, it's it's nice just to win the game. I mean, at, at the end of the day, City had started to come back into it. They scored. <laughs> three goals in five minutes. And at that point, it just deflates the life out of everyone watching the game. But it also, it kind of took the tension out of it as well. And it almost felt like that was the case on the pitch as well. When City's third goal went in, it sort of felt like our lads got a little bit of a of a lift as if all the pressure came off them. And well, it's gone now. Let's just go and win the game. So Mo gets his goal. Uh, Robbo gets his goal, like you said earlier. Robbo's a weird player. I mean, he's got such incredible ability when he crosses the ball. His technique is flawless. He's a very good passer. But his shooting is just abysmal. And thankfully enough, he finishes off that chance. And um, look, maybe it sets him up to score the winner next week. Maybe he uh, he channels Ray Kennedy next week and and grabs a goal against Madrid. Um, he'll certainly be one who's well up for that game after 2018, after the Champions League last season. I think he'll have had his fill of losing to that shower. So all we can do now is recuperate, keep everything crossed, that Thiago's fit, 
Virgil will be fine. Fab is back in training. He's back training with the first team on Monday. Um, and hope that nobody else picked up anything along the way. If it's Close just Harden, too. we've got a chance. But if if even at that, it, it's a massive blow to lose him. He was so important to what we were what we were looking to do. A hundred percent. And the quotes aren't great. When when he was asked, he said, uh, "Klopp said of Thiago, not good, but I can't say more. He could walk." Uh, that's obviously a good sign, so let's see. And then he was asked what part of the body the injury was. He said, lower part of the body. I know what it is, but don't want to say. Now, you could, of course, interpret those um, comments any which way, but uh, when Klopp was just given a flat, not good, and then he's being vague about what the injury is, uh, you would imagine um, that it's probably not a tremendous sign um, or not a tremendous reason for optimism. What can we do, though? Because... Um, there's literally uh, nothing that can be done at this point about that except to plan around it uh, or for it. And let's wrap up the show because it, it feels like it, it feels like uh, there's a little bit of pressure on us to talk about the wonderful season that's just been had in the context of you know the the, the thing being snatched away from in front of your face um and the bad news about Thiago and the obvious anxiety around this huge game that's to come but then Carl I suppose the thing about it is there is a huge game to come there have been two trophies won um there's a league table that tells you a very interesting tale of how uh, Liverpool um got 92 points uh they're the only team to have won 28 games in a season and not win the league and they did it fucking twice carl um you know we're racking up all these tremendous achievements it is an outrageous bunch of footballers who did turn around the deficit to bring us back into anything close to contention never mind being in a situation where we could have potentially won it on the last day um so there's a lot to be happy about. It's just it can be hard, I guess, to find the um, the enthusiasm to to be jumping around the garden just now. Especially, I suppose, is it just that thing with Thiago? Is there just a little bit of anxiety hanging around um, with regard to the weekend? If you were to look back, and not not specifically this game, because honestly, this this stage who gives a fuck about this game? But if you were to look back. I mean, what is what is the thing that's that's sitting with you? Is it a little bit of resentment around what that lot are, are up to, or is it is it is it more sort of a feeling of pride of of what our lads have achieved? Um, the only thing I have of City at all is that what you said before the hope, isn't it? It's you know the before kickoff, I was fine. I, I was not expecting. Liverpool to do anything other than win and I was not expecting Liverpool to do anything other than finish second place we've been there before, I've seen this final day situation before, I was alright with it, you know, not ecstatic or anything but I didn't expect it to really fall into our hands so the only annoyance if you like at Man City is that they were rubbish before they were good again, other than that other than, you know, the next few hours or whatever I'm not really going to worry too much about it because it has already been an awesome season and uh, we've got a bigger one to do. And uh, it's more important now that we pick ourselves up and go for the Champions League. That's the first and foremost thing. Um, we always would have come into this season wanting to win one of the two. If you got to 
the Champions League final and lost, but won the Premier League, you would therefore see it as a, a really, really good season still, like a superb season. It might, you know, be a disappointment on that day where you lose, but if you win one and almost win the other, that's got to be seen as amazing, you know, among the finest seasons that any team could have. Add in the fact that we've won two domestic uh, cups as well. We just have to go there and beat Real Madrid for, for many, many reasons, right? For this season, for the fact that it's a trophy, for the fact that we lost to them last time, for the fact that this group of players should win more major trophies. All of those reasons are, are fine, but you just got to go there and do the job. And we don't really have the time and we can't really afford to worry about not having won the Premier League title right now. You know, today, fine. But after that, it's it's about... You know, the journey for the fans, we've got to go to Paris. We know that some of them will be going two and three days early. We know some of them will be going on the day and there'll be photos and there'll be parties and there'll be street sing songs that are going everywhere. And that will be one whole big, massive build up thing because it always is. And we always make it that. And ultimately, that is the last thing that we will remember about the season. Make that one a really, really good one. And nobody will really care about this, to be honest, other than tonight. You know what, I think that's the point and, and now both of you have said it and you're both right because if we can get that one over the line literally nobody will care about anything else yeah. and I do mean that in terms of world the world will not care uh, about anything else and we will be annoyingly plastered everywhere uh, which will really upset poor um, poor tearful Pep and um, I'll come back to you Carl just to finish if you have anything last, things you want to say even if it's just plugs or whatever so back to you just to finish the show Dave Let's mean you do that now. I mean, just sum up thoughts uh, on the season because it has been an outrageously good one in so many ways, and there's um, it's a, it's alive still with the potential for the biggest one of all. Right. So before I get to that, it is time for what the people have been waiting for. It is time for prick watch here on post match raw. Oh, nice. And uh, we've got a couple of people to mention here today. We're going to start with the one and only Jamie Carragher, whose commentary on the game was just so, so strange. Like, at times, maybe it's because he's like best mates with Connor Cody or something, but he seemed very happy that Wolves could potentially take the title off us. Uh, and then he had moments where he seemed, you know, very biased in Liverpool's direction. So just a strange kind of performance from Carragher overall. Uh, but moving on past him, Pep Guardiola, obvious prick. Uh, all of the Wolves fans who cheered when City went ahead. That's just very, very strange behaviour. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> What is mm. the fundamental flaw in people from Wolves? Gags, go out and have words with all of them because something's wrong with a lot of them. Uh, Richarlison, obviously uh, a regular here on Prickwatch, uh, tweeting laughing emojis and that picture of Thierry Henry laughing uh, after the final whistles. Your team lost 5-1 today and you finished 16th. And your shit. You have the ego of Cristiano Ronaldo and the talent of Shanta Ronaldo. You're shit. Your team are shit. And the only reason you stayed in the Premier League is because Burnley and Leeds just happen to be more shit. But there's a big investigation coming and likely a lawsuit as Burnley bring Everton to court over the fact that Everton have flagrantly cheated uh, in terms of their spending. So Richarlison, just a prick all round. And likely to be the first one out the door. You can just imagine him like a little rat. He'll scurry away 
once the season's over now, he'll be the first out the door off to play somewhere else and still be shit. Um, I thought Willie Bolly today, I don't know what it was about Willie Bolly, but he just, he pissed me off. So he gets a mention here on Prickwatch. Um, it might just be the fact that he, he's Willie Bolly, like, and he's not very good. But today he turns up and he decides he wants to be the next Virgil. So fuck him as well. Um, as far as the season goes, look, we didn't lose the title today. We lost the title months and months back when we had all those silly draws where we threw away leads in games, where we didn't beat a really bad Leicester team who were missing everybody. That's when we lost the, t- the, the title. We were only top for one week this season. Week six. We drew with Brentford 3-3 and went top of the league. And aside from that, we haven't been top. We have been second for the majority. We were third for a couple of weeks, fourth for one week and fifth for one week. But we've been top three pretty much the whole way. We were only top for once, for, for one week. We lost the title, I think, in the first 11 games. Personally, I, I think that's when we lost the title. I think we lost too many points early on and we were always playing catch-up, which is how we ended up was it 14 points behind at one point, even with the games in hand? City had points on the board. It's 14 points. That's what it is. Um, so, yeah, as deflating as today is, I had kind of made my peace with not winning the title months ago. I said before the season, I didn't think we'd win the league. We got a lot closer to it than I thought we would. So I think credit goes to the players for the way they've been able to just continually grind out results. And I think you look at recent results and how hard fought some of the results have been. You know, the uh, the 2 nil over Everton when they came to time waste and cheat and just be horrible bastards the way they are. Uh, the one nil away to Newcastle wasn't a particularly fun game. The 1-1 with Spurs where we had to come from behind. The 2-1 against Villa, we had to come from behind. The 2-1 at Southampton, we had to come from behind. And the 3-1 again today, we've come from behind. So... You know, we have had to grind and claw for every single point in recent weeks. And I think that's just massive credit to this team that they've been able to continue to do it. Like Liverpool haven't lost a league game since the turn of the year. That's an incredible achievement. And Mm. to go through an entire Premier League season and only lose two games shows the quality of this team, shows how how difficult they are to beat. Joint best defensive record. Uh, along with City, when you factor in that Joel was free, Robbo cost eight million from a relegated team, Trent was from our academy, Gomez cost seven million from Charlton, Virgil was a world record, admittedly, and Ibu and um, <coughs> Costas were brought in as squad players. Compare and contrast that to City, we've got fifty million Walker, sixty million Canseo, sixty million Diaz, fifty million Stones, fifty million Laporte. Uh, 50 million rapist and of course you have Zinchenko there as well so you know they've got a lot more options their defense cost an awful lot more than ours did and yet we're more than the match for them we've had an immense season domestically we've won two cups there are two cups we hadn't won in a long time a decade since we'd won the league cup and what was it 15 16 years and 16 years since we won the FA Cup so that's a successful season. That's the thing. This is a great season. We've just won a cup double. 
We finished second in the league to a team that have to cheat to get where they are. And we still have the biggest game in football to come. So there's no way to look at this season other than it's a spectacular success. It's one of the great seasons any English club has ever had. Because no Mm. English club ever got this far into a season pursuing a quadruple. No one ever got to the final day of a Premier League season like this. The furthest any club had gotten was May 1st. We're three weeks past that. This is one of the all-time great seasons by any English club, regardless of what happens next weekend. Now, obviously, if we don't win next weekend, it's going to be a devastating end to the season. But bigger picture, we did win two Cups. We know what we need to address this summer. We've still got the opportunity of adding the biggest trophy in the game. And it would be really, really nice to have that parade with three trophies and to be able to lord it over that really small fraction of a club, the far side of Stanley Park, who had their biggest game in 25 years uh, playing against Brentford to try and secure promotion in game week 37. That's the difference between our club and yours. You spent all that money and you barely stayed up. We spent a fraction of what you spent and we're going for the Champions League. I can only assume that there will be a gradual ratcheting up of the uh, giddiness on Daily Red and that there will be at least one very in-depth um, podcast with Young Matchett looking ahead to that game. Am I right in saying that? Yes, there will be, I think, two scouts this week. There'll be Daily Red every day. There will be an old school at some point this week and there will be two-footed every day. Uh, just a quick a quick aside, uh, whoever, I don't want to name names, but whoever is running the Anfield Index Twitter account today and sent out that message congratulating Man City, I will find you and I will find you. <laughs> I will find you. Unless, it, unless, no, unless it's Greg. Unless it's Greg. That's a big man. <laughs> But any of the rest Greg, of I'll fight. It's fine, it's fine. Yeah. I, 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 you step on yourself, we'll take him on. Yeah, 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 it's grand. That's how Navin <laughs> does. Um, but yeah, no, look, there's, there's no congratulations to a team who cheated. There's none at all. So, you know, no. the Premier League just had no champion this season. That's that's just the be-all and end-all. There's no Premier League champion this season. And uh, in years to come, when someone finally gets a set of testicles and removes all their titles, we'll just say we won this one. I have to lean into that myself. I have, will have to say just to 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 to, uh, to just to clarify something. If we are going to be thoroughly honest about Prickwatch, the thundering shy talk who started the rumor about uh, mm. City having got whoever that is uh, needs a slapping uh, on the same level. Uh, has as to any be a wolf well. Has to has to has to oh, God. Wolves the worst both ends will prick that lad whoever he is uh, and let's finish up then um myself and yourself carl and get your last minute thoughts or just even what it is you've got coming up if you want to just focus on that um i don't want to be putting pressure i need to be positive you know feeling it that way uh so what's uh what's your takeaway um i do want to offer some congratulations um because to go into the final day of the season and needing a result and to score three goals and be celebrating the title at the end of it that is pretty huge so i do want to say congratulations to ac milan uh well done an 11 year wait is over done with for them uh other than that other than that uh 
like, like I said, it's, it's pretty crap right at this moment in time. We do this right after kickoff because that's the point of it, isn't it? Uh, sorry, right after full time because that's the point of it. And it does feel either amazing at that moment or really, really crappy at that moment. And today is one of those days. But we have bigger things to look for. Uh, there were enough performances out there to remind us of how good we can be. Luis Diaz, by the way, didn't score again today, but I think pretty much everything else, and I don't think we mentioned him too much in the podcast, but really, really good, really lively, loads of really good movements, barely misplaced a pass as well for a forward. His, his pass success rate was ridiculously high today. I can see him scoring in Paris, which is going to lead to some celebrations. And... Hey. Uh, I'm only going to finish up with one stat. I usually do a few, obviously, after the match, but I'm only going to do one this time. And it's actually on behalf of you two boys, um, 10 goals for Republic of Ireland players in the Premier League this season, the lowest total for Irish players in the top flight in England since 1962. Wow. Wow. Did, that's... did, you, did, you, did you have to do that? Did you have to did, do it? I didn't have we to, were... but... It, it was meant to be a positive thing, and I kind of realised halfway through. That's not a positive so. thing. <laughs> your, national, your national team is shit, lads. <laughs> only, a goal don't, yeah. no, only a ghost goal scorer. No, with everything, Carl. With everything, we've seen no, them no, play. No. Quiver's won a cup this year. You're on the way up. Don't worry. Quiver's yeah. Good. Yeah, look, look. We've got, we've got good young goalkeepers. We've got good young centre-backs. We've got a couple of decent young midfielders. And the rest is shit. The the fullbacks might be promising, but the attack is absolutely an abomination. So will, will we see? Will we, will we see what happens next year with uh, um, Adam Ida, who went off injured with Norwich halfway through the season, just as he was starting to look like a natural mm. footballer? Maybe, maybe yeah. there's something there. And Omar Bamadeli there as well, another good player. Uh, just just before we finish, there will be over the next week lots of hand wringing ahead of the Champions League final, and there'll be lots of morons who are Chelsea fans and United fans and whatever saying oh Vinicius against Trent just remember what the other left wing versus right back battle is Luis Diaz against Danny Carvial who's shit he was good Mm. and now he can't run he's basically a corpse Diaz is going to tear him apart in Paris and, you know, if you are looking at stats, we have Mohamed Salah top of the goal-scoring charts. We have him top, joint top with Trent and the assist charts. Virgil's right up there in the ter- in terms of the passes completed over the season. Ali's top in terms of keeping uh, teams out. Um, we're second on goal scored by uh, a small margin. Um, everything you could wish for in terms of oh top on the clean sheets as well um top on the crosses delivered all of these metrics which reflect dominance uh, the reds are there and dominance is a word that you'd have to say is very applicable to our domestic season this year because as dave alluded to earlier on we have been literally the best team in that country in that league over the course of the campaign winning two of the three trophies missing out on the last one by a point with a Champions League final to come and if that gets over the line, Christ alive, it will be monumental uh, in terms of overall uh, achievement for this club uh, and possibly the greatest of seasons um, It's it would be a cup treble par excellence uh, and it remains possible for us so for the whole season on behalf of Dave Hendrick on behalf of Carl Matchett on behalf of producer Guy Drinkle and all of the other guys who've contributed to 
the uh, Raw team who aren't uh, on the show today. I want to thank you for being with us over the course of the season. It has been, as it has from the start, a delight in the main to do. And even when tough shows like this come up, it's still something we take pride in here. And hopefully that comes across to you. Um, I think it's the three of us and obviously producer guy as well back for that Champions League final. I'm looking forward to it like nobody's business. We'll speak to you then. And in the meantime, be kind to your fellow Reds because there's a lot of moaning bastards out there. And stay safe out there. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.